Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. Hello, and welcome to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff, and joining me in just a moment are my action colleagues, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. And together, uh, the three of us will do our best to handicap our way through the upcoming week in European soccer, which has, of course, been highly altered by the ongoing COVID-19 uptick. But we figured this would be a good time to kind of pause and reset uh, for Champions League since Last week, we saw the two draws from UEFA uh, for the round of 16, one of which counted and the other one did not. So let's just quickly take a look at uh, where we're standing in the Champions League right now. Manchester City, they are the plus 250 favorites. Bayern Munich right behind them. They're plus 350. Liverpool plus 550. Chelsea, 7-1. PSG, 10-1. Ajax, triple digits to start the tournament. They're down to 12-1. to Real Madrid, 18-1. to Manchester United, they're 18-1. to Juventus, the old lady there, 25 to 1. Atletico Madrid, 35 to 1, which is basically where they were to start the tournament. Inter Milan, 50 to 1. Via Real, the Yellow Submarine, they're sitting at 100 to 1. Benfica, 150 to 1. Lille, they're 200 to 1. Sporting Lisbon and Red Bull Salzburg are the two biggest long shots of the 16 teams remaining, both at 250 to 1. BJ, uh, let's start with you. Of those teams, of these 16 teams remaining, is there a price that jumps out to you right now? Yeah, Atletico is just jumping right off the page to me at 35 to 1. I don't really think they should be that big of a long shot given how kind of favorable their first, you know, round matchup is against Manchester United. Look, as we stand today, Atletico should be favored over Manchester United. Now, obviously, as we get to February, Ralph Ragnick's, you know, his influence will probably take over United's squad. Maybe there'll be a better defensive output. They'll start to get healthy. And so that, you know, it might be a little more tricky for Atletico. But Atletico is putting up better numbers this season than they did in their title campaign last year. They have a plus 0.58 non-penalty expected goal differential per match, which is the best mark in Spain. And Spain is the second most difficult league in all of Europe based on UEFA coefficients. So I have them fifth in my power ratings, and they are an unbelievably good defensive outfit this year, only allowing 0.75 non-penalty expected goals per match. So given their pretty decent first-round matchup against Manchester United, this price is just way too high comparative to where you know some of the other teams. They should probably be up there around 20, maybe even 15 to 1. So I love Atletico, the price at 35 to one, you know, they, they obviously struggled in, in the group play, but you know, they got, they got it done on the final day against Porto and it sets them up with a pretty good match in round one. We'll see if they can uh, move on uh, throughout the tournament. 
Yeah, Letty jumped off the page a little bit to me too. I think you you nailed it. I look at them as pretty much peers compared to Manchester United. So why is United half their odds? I'm not totally sure. So I think 35 to one is a good number on a team that is a absolute chore to deal with in tournament and knockout football. Great manager. We know what they can do depending on the game state or, you know, the the situation. If they're down a goal, they know how to come back in the second leg, stuff like that. Diego Simeone is kind of a legend at that kind of stuff. I like Inter Milan too at 50 to one. Really tough matchup in the round of 16, but I think you might want to bet them now if you think they're interesting because who knows what's going to happen with Liverpool coming out of uh, the African Cup of Nations with Salah and Sadio Mane going down there. That's just a lot of soccer for those guys to be playing. So I don't think it's a bad number on, on a team that's been the best team in Syria ah, this year. It's just a really tough hurdle to get over uh, in terms of their matchup with Liverpool in the round of 16. Anthony, do you see anything here? What team jumps off the page to you? Yeah, I didn't see a ton on the board that I liked in terms of playing futures. I think when you look at the board, uh, you could make a case for Atleti or you could make a case uh, for Inter, but I don't think either of them are going to get out of their first round. Uh, BG and I have a bit of a disagreement there on the the United-Atleti tie, but we will get more into that and go kind of deeper into each matchup in February when the matches are actually upon us. Uh, But that being said, there is some first round action that I know we're going to be getting into, and that's where I'm looking to really kind of hit some underdogs here, and I think there's some overpriced favorites uh, specifically in Italy. But overall, in terms of the board, the IX number is low enough that I don't really see any value in it. But if you, you want to hump in and have some fun with us for the next few months, uh, maybe hop on IX because I think they do cruise into the quarters. And at that point, you know, as long as they avoid City or Bayern, I think they've got a really good chance to give a game to whoever they get in the quarters and, and probably be a favorite in about half of their ties. So there's a, there's a decent shot that they're looking at another run here. All right. Yeah, let's jump into the matches. We'll do a quick like 30,000 foot overview, just kind of our initial reaction, maybe a a team or two we like right away before, like Anthony said, we do dive deep into these uh, matches in February. Right now, it's really tough to kind of handicap anything, uh, even if a game is two days away because of the ongoing COVID-19 stuff. But we'll set the stage at the very least. So here are the eight matchups. The headliner is certainly Real Madrid. They're plus 110, uh, taking on PSG, who are minus 135 to advance right now. Inter Milan, they're plus 275 to advance. Liverpool, minus 370. Atletico Madrid, plus 110. Man United, minus 135. Villarreal, plus 160. They're taking on Juventus, who are minus 200. Chelsea, uh, minus 525. Prohibitive favorites against Lille, who are plus 370. Benfica, 3-1 to one on the money line to advance, taking on Ajax, who are minus 400. And then the two big long shots, Red Bull Salzburg, 8-1 to one against Bayern, who are six, uh, minus 1,600. And those are the same odds for Sporting, taking on Manchester City. It's no question that City and Bayern got the best draw, I think, they could have asked for, they could have hoped for. Bayern versus RB Salzburg could feature something like, I don't know, 12, 13 goals in, across the two legs if things get out of hand, which they might. I do think, let's start with you, Anthony. You, you hinted at it. Villarreal and Juventus is the matchup that drew my attention when the draw was made. Because I, I, I have a future on Villarreal from last round. It's basically the same price as it is now, 101. I think they are also interesting too, right? Like this is a team that like these Spanish clubs are just tough to deal with in these tournaments. Getting plus 160 against a Juventus team that has been up and down and up and down. They've been pretty good in the Champions League. I think we can all say that. But in terms of their big picture of the season, not all that impressive. Uh, so touch on Villarreal and why you like them to pull one over on, on Juventus. 
Yeah, you know, I actually ran my numbers today for the first time and I make Virial minus 101. So I actually have them as a favorite. Now I'm probably a little low on Juve, uh, but I have significantly downgraded Italy based on their Champions League and Europa League performances, which have not been uh, particularly good at all, especially when you look at Alonso getting bounced by Virial at home was a really bad loss for the league. Juventus, yes, they dominated Malmo twice, but going away to Chelsea and getting absolutely smushed, uh, a pretty fortunate away win in a very even match at Zenit. Uh, I'm, I'm not convinced still by this Juventus team. I don't know that they have the attacking firepower to compete not only for this title against the big boys, but really to overwhelm a team that they should be better than in Villarreal, even though don't really think they are. Uh, away goals is gone this year. Uh, and I think that it's going to be a really interesting game theory situation for some of these teams. But I also think if anything, and I know we see Villarreal as the defensive tough to break down team, but if anything, this could actually hurt Juventus and it could hurt the favorites um, who get to go on the road in the first leg and, you know, one away goal pretty much sets you up for success. If, if you're on the road and, and you get that, that advantage, I think personally will help the underdogs in the sense that you have a chance to play even with a team and then get it to penalties where it's basically a coin flip. So I think that helps dogs and, and teams who are considered worse. Uh, and, and really it's just, you know, Italy's consistently been bad in Europe. And I think that's reflective when you look at how the money has flowed across the continents, especially since COVID, it makes a lot of sense when you see the talent and the money that has left Italy. Juventus has lost a lot of talent. Atalanta, AC Milan have really all struggled in, in the continent and it goes down to, you know, the other leagues as well. So I like Villarreal and we'll get more into the numbers and the matchups in February, but I took them plus 160 just before we started recording. I think it's a crazy number and I know BJ agrees. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I have Juventus at minus 112. So yeah, it's a really interesting matchup just stylistically because Unai Emery has been really good in tournaments, obviously in the Europa League for a long time and getting out of the, the group stage, beating out Atlanta, who's a significantly better team than Juventus this season. Yeah, it's it's a crazy number at plus 160. But what I'm most interested in for the first round is definitely Real Madrid versus PSG because I don't understand at all why PSG is favored to go to the quarters over Real Madrid. So first off, both these teams are averaging around 1.75 expected goals per match. Now, Real Madrid plays in a much more difficult league in Spain rather than France, who are, you know, significant gap in the UEFA coefficient. Secondly, I know Real Madrid has had a lot of defensive issues this season, but are we really going to sit here and say that they're going to be 12th in non-penalty expected goals allowed throughout the entire season? I don't think so. I think they'll be able to figure out they have enough talent uh, to be able to shore up that defense. PSG was obviously very underwhelming. In the group stage, only a plus 1.1 expected goal differential, while Real Madrid plus 5.9 expected goal differential. Now I understand Real Madrid played in a pretty easier group than PSG, but we've seen it time and time again with PSG in Champions League play against really good offensive teams that can control possession. They tend to struggle. They're not good when they don't have the ball. Real Madrid is a team that can hold the ball, can hold possession, and has a lot of talent going forward in attack against a very average midfield and defense. So I really don't understand why Real Madrid is an underdog here. Even if you look at 538, they have Real Madrid at 55% to advance the quarters over PSG. So, you know, as it stands right now, I mean, obviously PSG, once we reach February, they have a pretty big lead in Ligue 1, but Real Madrid has a pretty big lead in uh, La Liga as well. So both these teams could be on cruise control and be able to manage their squads and put the best teams forward when uh, we reach February. So I love Real Madrid to advance uh, anything plus money. I don't think there's any denying that if this match were played tomorrow, uh, Real Madrid would be the side that I'd probably back and the side that, 
you know, I would, I would want to have, but with that being said, we've seen this PSG team in knockout competitions when they don't have to be on the ball as much and they can play in a counterattacking sense uh, that they can cause a lot of problems. And I have major question marks about Real Madrid's defense's ability to cope with Messi and, and Mbappe and a healthy Neymar if he's healthy when this match comes around, which he will be if he doesn't get hurt again in the interim, which also could happen. Uh, and so I actually lean towards PSG at the number. I would need a better price to play it. I'm hoping we get like a, you know, maybe PSG keeps struggling and we get a better number here. But I really trust Pochettino in knockout tournaments. He's had a ton of success playing on a counterattacking style in these kind of games. And I think Real Madrid is pretty exposed to that. And so that's why I would lean towards Real Madrid. Did, did they get a little lucky? PSG when they beat Bayern, yes, but they also dominated Barca last year. And I think we've seen what Mbappe, Neymar, and now adding Messi can do when they don't have to play with the ball and risk getting countered themselves. Yeah, one one thing to look out for is the January transfer market because there's rumors out there that Chelsea want Casemiro. That would be detrimental to Real Madrid's Real Madrid defensively. So if that happens, this kind of goes all out the window. But if Real Madrid is able to bolster their midfield a little bit and provide some help defensively and improve there, I really don't see how they should be underdogs going up against a PSG team that's very average defensively. You know that, right? There's still a transfer window to come. We don't know how Europe and, you know, even here in the States is going to be able to cope with this uh, new wave of COVID. Uh, so we, we are treading lightly, but I think it's pretty clear. Like we do have a couple of ways we're leaning via Real for sure. I think the thing that's funny about Real Madrid and PSG is these are two teams that we've been betting against quite a bit on the show. And now, of course, they meet up. So it really does kind of force your hand a little bit to take a stand on either one of these teams if you are going to uh, to make a play. Well, it's funny. When the draw came out the first time, I was praying for Villarreal to get one of these overvalued favorites. Uh, and then they got Liverpool. And I was like, well, that's dead. Like, they're drawing dead. And uh, and we were writing our post-match or post-draw reactions. And we're like, yeah, Villarreal's dead. Tough draw better luck next year. Then they do the redraw and they pull Juventus and I, I let out a cheer. So uh, I knew we were going to get a good price on them. And I was hoping that PSG, and I know BJ was PSG Ajax, not good for the futures, but would have been a great Ajax spot. I was hoping to look to fade Chelsea too in a better spot, but Leo's tough. So uh, it's really interesting how the redraw kind of changes the perceptions of, of what we ended up getting here. And uh, it, Bayern Salzburg could be a lot of fun. I don't think Salzburg had much of a shot, but if you go back to the group stage last year, they won the expected goals battle in one of those games. They were very competitive. It was like the first time that I realized, okay, what's wrong with Bayern defensively was those Champions League games when they were getting ripped apart. So if there's any weaknesses in that defense, Bayern or Salzburg could be the team to uh, expose them. And the storyline there, Kareem Adeyemi, young German striker for Salzburg, maybe looking for a move to Germany. So it could be a really interesting uh, tie as well, even if Bayern probably rolls. Uh, you did bring up Ajax a little bit. All three of us have been investing in this team and have invested pre-tournament. But BJ, you think that Benfica can cause this team. You want to talk about styles making fights. Like this is a good defensive team versus a heavy metal offensive force. Um, so, you know, 30 seconds here. Just kind of give us your quick thoughts on Ajax Benfica. Benfica, like I said, three to one on the money line to advance Ajax at minus 400, which probably is a little high. Right. I'm not saying that, you know, Ajax is going to struggle against Benefica. I think the price is just a little bit crazy up at three to one. I mean, this Benefica team showed throughout the group stage that they are a very well organized defense. Obviously, they didn't show it against Bayern Munich, but that's Bayern Munich. I wouldn't put Ajax at that level quite yet. Even if we just looking, you know, just purely looking at expected goal differential. Ajax is at 1.86 in the area of per match. Benefica is at 1.31 in uh, Portugal's first division. 
Portugal is a much more difficult league than the Netherlands. So looking at that, I'm like, it gives me a little bit of pause. Like, okay, yeah, this is still a really good Benfica team with a very experienced back line and Otamendi and Vertonghen. They have some talented strikers like Yarmachuk and Stefarovic. So could they give Ajax some problems? Maybe. Could Ajax just roll them like they did their fellow Portuguese team sporting? Maybe. But at a price of, you know, minus 400, you know, we all love Ajax and, you know, we all have futures on them, but this is a little crazy. <laughs> we're getting up, we're, we're getting into kind of crazy territory. So if there's one huge favorite that I think is most vulnerable, I, I hate to say it, but I think it's Ajax. Yeah, I already bet Ajax money line the first leg. Uh, they opened plus 110. I took that. Uh, I like that to uh, minus 110. So it's, it's even money right now. Uh, so there's still good value in that. I like agree with BJ that they are overvalued. Uh, they are a little overinflated. With that being said, I think we're overrating Benfica's defense a little bit. Like They had four clean sheets in the Champions League group stage, but they conceded over one and expected goal in three of those four games. They were very lucky against Barcelona, where they conceded over 1.4 in both games and didn't allow a goal. Barca hit, I think it was two posts, maybe three, and missed a couple of sitters. Uh, And then even against Kiev, Kiev legitimately missed an open net in the uh, last match of that group stage in a must-win spot where Kiev didn't care. So I I think Ajax might truck them. That being said, I do think Benfica can score because Ajax's defense has shown some leaks too. So I think there's going to be a lot of goals. I think in that sense, yes, Benfica is probably a little undervalued, but I did take Ajax on the money line. I think they win in Portugal in the first leg. We'll couch the uh, Champions League talk until February. Like I said, a lot more to come, how these matchups will shape up. Transfer window opens in uh, about two weeks. Uh, Pretty exciting. But the show must go on with uh, La Liga here. (laughs) Who knows what's going to happen with the Carabao Cup matches? Who knows what's going to happen with the festive fixtures with uh, the Premier League? Doesn't look all that good, but there is some soccer replayed in the midweek, and there is a clear headliner, and that is in La Liga. Sevilla, plus 140 at home, hosting Barcelona, plus 185. The draw is plus 250. This is a 3.30 p.m. kickoff on Tuesday. And look, if you are a soccer junkie, you're going to be tuning into this one because who knows what else is going to be out there for you to watch. Uh, So let's hope this one goes on. Sevilla's on a three-game winning streak uh, since they lost to Real Madrid, but they've been a luck box. There's no getting around it. This is a team that I love to back. I was backing them throughout the Champions League. It didn't really work out. Uh, so I, what did I do? I just jumped ship to Villarreal. No skin off my back. I'm, I'm happy to do it. Uh, Barcelona, they are 1-1-1 in their last streak, but great underlying numbers. However, I think with a team like this where it's clearly a work in progress, uh, the underlying metrics, do, do they tell a good portion of the story, but there's also something we said about being able to manage a game, right? And, and this is a young, inexperienced relative to what we're used to seeing from Barcelona, where they have the Messi's of the world. And um, this is a different team. This is a team that hasn't fully gelled yet. So there's going to be a lot of situations like this where maybe they do boss a game and draw to teams like Elche or whoever. That being said, uh, it does look like a little bit of a buy low spot on Barca. And Anthony, that's been one of your favorite hobbies uh, throughout the winter. Buy low Barcelona. They're not big, bad Barcelona anymore. They're buy low Barcelona. Is this one of those spots? I have a group chat with a few friends and and they're not as into soccer as I am. And, and sometimes I drop picks in there and think, you know, spots I really like, and they're, they're interested enough to, you know, get, get in involved. Whenever I drop a Barcelona pick, I'm immediately met with significant resistance. Uh, and I think that's pretty much where the public perception has fallen on Barcelona. And look, this podcast was one of the many, uh, and where at least the two of us on the three of us on this podcast were, were frequent faders of Barcelona in, in the recent memory, getting back to last year and, and in times before that, especially in the Champions League. But they still have the best expected goals difference in La Liga, and they have the most young talent of anyone in La Liga. And they have guys like Gavi who are playing much better. 
incredible move for that third goal to beat Elche at the weekend. I think this is an excellent buy low spot on Barcelona. Yes, they lost to Batiste. They were unlucky in that game. They drew Osasuna. They were probably a little unlucky in that game too. The finishing just has not been there for them, but they're playing a Sevilla team. You mentioned it, total luck box. When we go back at their last three wins, and they've all been impressive wins on paper. They beat Virial, Bilbao, and Atleti in consecutive games, three of the probably six best teams in Spain. They've scored four goals from one expected goal in that, and they have allowed one goal with five expected. So minus four expected goal difference. They've actually had a plus three actual goal difference. Villarreal was much better than them. Bill Bao created over two expected goals in that game. And then Atletico, even though Sevilla was at home and we know how Atletico tends to be pragmatic, especially away from home, they let you have the ball and look to counter. Sevilla only had 54% possession and they had fewer final third and uh, penalty area touches than Atleti in that game. So that tells me that Sevilla had a lot of nothing possession and that they struggled to create and hit with any type of pace or any type of speed in transition. That's where Barcelona is vulnerable defensively. And I don't think they're quite as vulnerable to the slow build-up play that Lopetegui and Sevilla want to play. And so for that reason, I think Barcelona smothers them here. I understand that it's on the road, but I really don't think they should be an underdog. And it's one of my favorite spots of, of the year. Uh, I like Barcelona. Draw no bet plus 120. Uh, I, look, I know it's going to end in pain. Yeah, Maybe Rakitic will hit a 30-yard screamer or they'll score like a defle- double deflected corner in the 88th minute to dash my hopes and dreams. But this this is a great spot. And I was hoping Barca wouldn't you know find the win against Elche, but I absolutely love the boys from Barca. I and mean, it's by low Barca, like you said. Yeah, by low Barca. I, and it would be a signature win, which they desperately need to like the, the season needs to kind of galvanize at some point uh, for this team under uh, Javi. And uh, I think, you know, a win over Sevilla second right now in La Liga and uh, would do it. Uh, BJ, I don't think you have much on this one in terms of, you know, action, but Anthony convinced me I'm going to jump on the Barcelona money line here. Anything for you? Yeah, I'm going to push back a little bit on Barcelona because they're, first of all, they're having a growing injury list right now. No Depay, no Dest, no Pedri, no Sergi Roberto, no Ansu Fati. So that's concerning. I know I understand they have a lot of young talent. Now, I tried to buy low on Barcelona this past weekend against Elche. I took them minus one and a half. Uh, and they were completely dominating the entire match all the way up until the 62nd minute. Then they were lazy getting back in transition. Elche, one of the worst offenses in La Liga, made two passes, scored a goal. And then literally the next minute, they completely forgot to mark a guy on the back side of the, of the net and just an easy header in the back of the net. So that's concerning when you're facing a Sevilla team that can hit you pretty hard on the counter. I understand they play a slow, pragmatic pace, but still, the if you go look at the, the two goals they allowed, it, it's quite shocking how much area they afforded one of the worst offensive teams in Spain. Now, I understand. I, I totally agree with Anthony. Everything he said about the data, Sevilla is pretty much kind of like a paper tiger right now, sitting in second place, only a plus 3.4. Expected goal differential while Barcelona is at 11.9. So purely from a mathematical standpoint, I totally agree that Barcelona probably should be close to a pick if you want to give the home field advantage to Sevilla. But what's interesting about this matchup is that Barcelona is really, really good at pressing under Xavi. They're number one in passes per defensive action, but Sevilla is the number one team in Spain uh, against pressure. So it does give me a little pause uh, betting Barcelona in this one. I'd probably need a two to one or, you know, plus 120 on the draw, no bet line or better. Uh, to play it. So it's a pass for me right now, but if Sevilla gets steamed, I'll be trying to jump in again on Barcelona. All right. From La Liga to Syria, uh, there are some matches in Italy going down over the next few days. So let's uh, park our favorite bets over there. Uh, Anthony, do you want to get started here? 
Yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, look, you know, I, I think I do the I think I do the, the Lazio fade like on a daily basis at this point or weekly basis. Uh, they're just not very good, and they have so much attacking regression coming. They again overperform their expected goals in a home win against Genoa. Uh, broke both of our hearts in the way that they scored two quick goals in succession and then conceded right after to lose both my plus 1.25 on Genoa and BJ's both teams to score no. So that was fun on Friday afternoon. Nice little uh, birthday present for me. But that being said, uh, this is a good fate spot on the road. They've been significantly worse on the road than they've been at home this year, uh, mainly because their regression, their their overperformance in terms of expected goals has pretty much all come at home. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Venezia is some world beater, but They've proven themselves to be a pretty solid uh, defense in terms of preventing big chances and making teams shoot from distance. They have one of the longest shot distances allowed in Serie A, and I I tend to think that's a pretty good indicator. Now, that doesn't mean Lazio won't just hit two bangers and and kill it, but uh, against a a Lazio attack that has created the fourth most big scoring chances, I like the fact that Venezia is pretty good at preventing opponents from getting clear chances inside uh, the main scoring area and six-yard area. Uh, they're pretty good defensively there. Uh, and overall, I think it's a good a good fade spot for Lazio here on the road against one of the worst teams in the league. So at plus 120, plus a half, uh, I, my number makes them significantly cheaper than that. So I'm going with uh, Venezia plus a half at plus 120. Just another good fade spot on Lazio. Well-dressed Venezia. Uh, American-owned. Uh, BJ, anything you got for us in Syria uh, this week? Yeah, I like Napoli, Spezia, both teams score no at minus 120. I really don't see how Spezia creates anything of value in this match. They're bottom six in pretty much every single offensive metric, including only creating one non-penalty expected goal per match, only 10.8 shots per 90 minutes, and about 14.5 box entries per match. And they're going against the number one defense in Italy. Napoli is only allowing 0.71 non-penalty expected goals per match. And in fact, Napoli has only allowed their opponents to create over one expected goal three times this entire season. That came against Inter, Roma, and Atalanta. So they've been incredibly solid at the back. Now, they have been overperforming offensively, 34 goals off of 27 expected goals, and they are dealing with some injuries in their attack. Victor Oshman is out for an extended period of time. Insigne is questionable for this one, so that obviously hurts them. And also, Napoli's matches have been pretty low event as of late. They Actually, there's only been one big scoring chance created in total in their last five matches. So that's kind of concerning. Spezia has struggled offensively when they've had to face some of the big sides, only 3.7 expected goals in six matches versus the top six in Italy. I really don't see how Spezia is going to get on the board here. I have the both teams to score no line projected at minus 193. So I think there's a ton of value on both teams to score no at minus 120. Unfortunately, Bundesliga is off for their winter break, which means let's head back to uh, Spain, La Liga, and we can talk about our favorite bets there. Anthony, BJ was just talking about a low event team. I think you're taking us on a low event journey here with your pick. You know, they generally play that way, but they attack, you know, somebody should probably tell the Bilbao attack to creating way too many chances because uh, they are. And look, credit them for that comeback win on Sunday. That was incredible. Uh, 2-1 down late was looking like a terrible day for me. Uh, And then everything swung really with Tottenham and Liverpool. And then of course, uh, Bill Bow getting two late goals, including one, I think it was the 88th minute. Uh, They got the winner, uh, got the goal alert and, and, you know, let out a little cheer. Finally, some attacking regression. They look, they got outplayed. I mean, they were the worst team in the match. Uh, Pretty fortunate, but 
after all of the, of the underperforming results they've had relative to their performances, they were due for a good one, a good bounce or two to go their way. And much in the same way, Batiste was due for, uh, due for a bad one. And so, you know, that thing tends to even out in the long run. Well, Athletic Bilbao is playing our favorite team, Real Madrid, yet again. They just played a few months ago. We all lost, I think, or, or at least pushed and should have all won. Uh, and Athletic, in that game, if we go back and, and kind of remember what happened, Real Madrid took an early lead, and then it was pretty much 80 minutes of uh, you know just straight Bilbao attacks. They created two expected goals, missed a ton of sitters. Courtois was standing on his head. They, they had four uh, or five great chances to score, could not get it done, and really was not uh, indicative of the final score. And this was at Madrid. So now they get them at home. And the money line is a decent worth look, but what I'm playing here is the draw no bet line at plus 140 because I do think a draw would be a good result for Bilbao, and so they may not push for the lead if they're tied late. I think there's a very good chance Real Madrid is controlling the game flow, looking for the winner if it's tied late. But I do think Real Madrid, who did have a lot of regression today, they had 3.26 expected goals against Cadiz and didn't score. Even still, uh, I think at home, you have to back Bilbao here we wouldn't be XG nerds if we didn't. So I'm taking them on the draw no bet line at plus 140. Yeah, a little, little foreshadowing. We're not done talking about Bilbao for this episode. BJ, what do you have in La Liga? Yeah, I'm going with a uh, Atletico Madrid over. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to go <laughs> over two and a half at plus 125 against Granada. Granada is without a doubt the worst defense in Spain this season. 1.4 non-penalty expectables allowed per match, around 15 and a half shots per 90 allowed. And they allow a little over one and a half big scoring chances per match which are all dead last in La Liga. And that's not good because they're obviously facing an Atletico Madrid side that has been top five in pretty much every single offensive metric this season. Granada was struggling at the beginning of the year to create a lot of chances. They were one of the, the worst offenses in you know the top five leagues in Europe, but they've been on fire. Their last uh, six, eight matches, averaging 1.68 expected goals per match, just hung four on Mallorca this morning at 7 a.m., and that average of 1.68 expected goals per match is fifth in La Liga during that time span. A lot of that can be contributed to their manager, Roberto Moreno. He switched to a 4-4-2 formation to give them more continuity, more structure. It hasn't helped defensively. They're still allowing over 1.5 expected goals per 90 minutes, but it is the formation in which they average the most expected goals out of. Now, 4-4-2 going against 4-4-2, it's not a really that, you know, cohesive to an over but given Granada's uptick offensively I do think there's a good chance they get on the board here and Atletico should be able to put one or two by the worst defense in Spain so I have 2.58 goals projected for this match so let's try to hit an over with Atletico uh, over two and a half goals at plus 125 uh, and before we get to our favorite underdogs we'll take a trip to France uh, Ligue 1 uh, they are in action as well uh, BJ you are the league on expert on the show, Iowa's foremost league on expert, I like to say. So we'll let you start, but I know Anthony also has a play in France this week too. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to Lil again, minus 115 on the road at Bordeaux. We've talked, I've talked about it, you know, pretty much every single show. I think every single league on section, I'm just betting Lil, but they're undervalued again. You know, they're the second best team by non-penalty expected goals this season, uh, defensively allowing only 0.99 per match and they've allowed the fewest big scoring chances in the league as well and what's crazy is that teams are just finishing at an incredibly high rate against them they've allowed 21 goals out of their 4-4-2 formation but have only allowed 13.7 expected goals so over the second half of the season some positive regression is going to come for them defensively and they're facing a Bordeaux team that 
is pretty average offensively. You know, they're 11th in non-penalty expected goals, 8th in shots per 90, and 10th in big scoring chances. But but Bordeaux is by far the worst defense in all of France. They've allowed 40 goals in 18 matches. And so it's no surprise that they're dead last in non-penalty expected goals allowed and big scoring chances allowed. They haven't been great at home either. Minus 7.1 expected goal differential. Wow. Lille is actually the second best team in France by expected goal differential on the road at plus 3.2 this season. So I have Lille projected at minus 147. So I love them at minus 115. Anthony, uh, what's your play over in France this week? I'm not sure there's a week where BJ hasn't bet Lille. Uh, and that's that's pretty fun. Every week, baby. Um, they're they're going to be – but will you bet them against Chelsea? That's the real test. Maybe. <laughs> Did you see how Chelsea yeah. played the last few weeks? I mean, maybe. Yeah, look, we've been saying it on this podcast about Chelsea. But uh, I'm, I'm building the courage slowly. I have two months to build my courage to bet Lille against Chelsea, plus 370. That price is just calling my name. With that being said, I'm taking my little journey to France, Saint-Étienne. Now, let's take a little history lesson in case you guys don't know about this perennially mid-table team. Uh, They've been within six expected goals for the entire season, over a 38-match season, plus or minus, each of the last five years until this year. And their numbers have taken a bit of a plunge. BJ mentioned it. Bordeaux has conceded 40 goals, the worst in Ligue 1. Well, Saint-Étienne has conceded 39, the second worst by one goal. Great math there. Uh, And so... That's pretty concerning, but let's get into the underlying numbers about this San Etienne team. Their expected goals allowed is only 30.6. So they're conceding about 25% more goals than you'd expect. Maybe it's just a bad run. Maybe the club is all of a sudden worse after they've been a pretty solidly between seventh to 13th place team for the last five years. I don't think that all of a sudden San Etienne has become this terrible team. I've been trying to buy low on them. They've now lost four in a row, and that includes an unlucky result against Rennes, where they were relatively competitive for about 75 minutes and then fell apart. They had a performance against PSG where they were the better side for large portions of it and then got a red card and collapsed. There's been a lot of fluky results that have gone against this team. They're now getting Nets at home and they're also a solidly mid-table team in terms of their performances this year, but they're also playing a little bit above their heads relative to their talent level based on what their their squad is really worth and, and based on their, their expectations coming into the season. So you're getting a good buy low spot on a relegation team who needs the points on a team who shouldn't and isn't used to being in the relegation spots. And I think they're going to bounce back here. So to get them at only a minus 110 on the draw no bet line at home, I'm on Sinatien to take all three points here and get at least a draw for the push, but I think they'll win this. And now for uh, the most exciting part of the program, I think it's our favorite part too. Our favorite underdogs, we will of course caution you to tread lightly with these. They are, Dogs for a reason, and then we will tell you exactly what the parlay would pay out if you wrapped all three together. I'm going to start us off here. Athletic Club Bilbao, we talked about it already. Anthony touched on them. Los Leones, the Lions. You know why they're nicknamed the Lions? Because there was a saint from, I guess, around that area, Saint Mamis, who was thrown to the Lions by the Romans. So to honor him, the club is nicknamed Los Leones, the Lions. They're taking on Real Madrid. They're plus 240. 3.30 p.m. kickoff on Wednesday. Athletic Bilbao's numbers are terrific. Uh, they're a low event team that deserves a lot more offensive regression uh, than they've they've seen so far. And we've this Real Madrid team is punching above its weight in terms of its underlying metrics. It's just a good spot. Bilbao is, I think, on the ascendancy. I wouldn't be surprised if they are challenging for a Champions League spot in La Liga when all is said and done. I really like this club. We've been betting them a lot uh, as a podcast, and we will do it again at plus 240 to kick off 
our underdog parlay for this week. Uh, BJ, who do you have? Who's your dog? Oh man, Michael, I, the last three weeks that we've done this, uh, I've just been experiencing some of the most painful losses of my entire life. We had Venetia, you know, blow a three goal lead against Verona. We had Udinese give up a, a stoppage time pinball goal to Zlatan and AC Milan. And then this morning, uh, when I'm sure while everybody was sleeping at 5.30 a.m. Central Time, Sassuolo took a 2-0 lead against Fiorentina, and Fiorentina came back, tied it up 2-2, got a red card, and Sassuolo couldn't put one in the back of the net. So that's three straight where I've had a underdog blow uh, at least a multiple goal lead. Uh, so why not go back to one of those underdogs that broke my heart? Venetia, plus 310, at home against Lazio. Anthony already touched on it. This Lazio team... Very overrated on the road, minus 6.4 expected goal differential on the road this season. Also, Sierra Mobley did not feature on Friday. He's experiencing a gastrointestinal issue, so he's questionable right now to play for this match. If he's out, that's you know detrimental to Lazio, who is, like Anthony already mentioned, is very reliant on big scoring chances. They're 16th in shots per 90 in Serie A, so basically everything just comes off of big scoring chances. That's where Venetia is the best defensively. I'm not going to sit here and say that this Venetia offense is some type of juggernaut because they're not. They're bottom five in pretty much every single metric, but Lazio is very below average defense. So uh, this is just a classic spot where Lazio is overvalued. So I love Venetia plus 310 to break my heart once again. I mean, what do I say at the top of this portion of the program every time? Not for the the fan of heart. Not for the fan of heart. Not for the fan of heart, these bets. Anthony, what is your bet that isn't for the fan of heart to take us home? Yeah, my official prediction for BJ's bet is uh, Immobile comes off the bench despite his gastro uh, stomach pain, scores a goal, and then, you know, is hunched over in pain. But, you know, the goal still counts uh, and it ends in a draw. But <laughs> getting that out there now. I'm thinking my like prediction, a 20-minute hat trick coming off the bench to win 3-2. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's all he can do. He's, he's getting carted off the field after the game because he put all he had out there. Anyway, uh, look, I talked about this already. Uh, they're plus 200 at some shops. If you look around uh, Barcelona on the money line, Sevilla this year, 21 expected goals. They've scored 28 defensively, 17 expected goals allowed. They've conceded 12. Their expected goals for numbers. They have one less game than some of the people in front of them, but they're not really close enough to catch them reasonably. They have the ninth most expected goals per 97th best non-penalty expected goals per 90. This attack just isn't creating a lot. And they've had some injuries. Rafa Mir has been out of the lineup. Al Nezri has been out of the lineup. So it's not entirely, you know, just them playing worse. They do have guys who are out who are good players, uh, but they're not creating enough here against Barcelona, who with a game in hand on the entire, you know, main pack chasing them has created the most expected goals. So Real Madrid, we all talk about how good Benzema and Vinicius are. Well, Barca have combined to create more chances. And I understand there's injuries for Barca and, and BJ laid that out. And that's a little bit concerning, but we've seen against Elche, granted a much worse competition, that these young guys that they're turning to, most notably Gavi, uh, are able to really pull strings, create chances and, and make things happen. So with all of the regression that's coming for Barcelona against a luck box in Sevilla, I think it's a great spot here. Sevilla has been kind of tumbling recently. And so on the money line, I'm on. Barcelona plus 200. That's Bilo Barcelona, the Basque boys of Bilbao and Venezia out of Syria. Uh, you put those three teams together. You're looking at a 41 to one three team parlay, which would be a I'm nice. I'm feeling good this week. 
I, I don't feel good. You know what's we don't ever say that. We never say that we're feeling bad. <laughs> I really don't. Because we never I'm know. feeling good that all three matches will be played, which is better than we've been doing in yes, recent that weeks. Is true. And I'm, thank you, I'm, other uh, leagues, for having yeah. high vaccination rates. All right. Uh, now that we've wrapped up our underdog parlay, we'll move on to our best bets for the week. BJ, I'll kick it to you first. Yeah, I love Roma. Minus one at home, plus 105 against Sampdoria. This line's way too low for a really good Jose Mourinho team right now that's starting to play much better. Roma is second in Serie A in non-penalty expected goals, shots per 90, and big scoring chances. All of that just behind Inter. They've been improving defensively. Anthony's laid it out on a few podcasts ago, but their last six matches, they've only allowed five expected goals, and they're taking on a Sampdoria team that is very underwhelming, 15th and non-penalty expectables for, and 15th and non-penalty expectables against. This is a great spot for Roma to continue to stay red hot. They've won two in a row against Spezia and got a great win against Atalanta this weekend on the road. So give me Jose Mourinho, and hopefully the match ends Jose 3, Sampdoria 0. Give me Roma minus 1 at plus 105. Uh, Anthony, what is your favorite bet in the soccer this week? Yeah, I've already mentioned this a couple of times, but it's it's Barcelona. Uh, Draw no bet at plus 120. Uh, Sevilla is very overrated. They come into this game with expected goals numbers uh, in the last three matches. They're minus four in expected goals, plus three in actual goals. They stole results against both Villarreal, Bilbao, and Atletico Madrid. One came on a late goal. One came on its opponent missing a ton of clear-cut chances that should have tied the match. Uh, Villarreal also created 1.9 expected goals against this Sevilla team. They have some injuries on both sides that need to be considered here including key attackers on, on both ends. So I think it generally it washes out. But Barcelona, despite all of the negative press and all of the negativity, it is time to be by low Barca uh, because they have the best expected goals numbers. They have created more expected goals than any other team in La, in La Liga. And if for a few different bounces had gone their way this year, we'd be talking about them in a very different light and maybe highlighting their young talent instead of taking our chances to mock their finances and their falling out of the Champions League, which admittedly have been funny. But that being said, it's by low Barca. We've been talking about it on this pod the entire show uh, at Draw No Bet at plus 120. It's time. And I'm going to go to La Liga as well. Atletico Madrid minus one plus 105 taking on Granada. Atletico Madrid, incredible defensive numbers. Granada, not a team that will threaten to really dent those defensive numbers much, I don't think. So I trust Atletico to get margin here. Plus 105, I think there's better than a 50% chance that Atletico storms them here. Not only are their defensive numbers uh, spectacular, their offensive numbers top five across most underlying metrics we look at. And like BJ was alluding to before, Renata's defense is brutal. Uh, So give me Diego Simeone laying one goal on the road, plus 105 on Wednesday afternoon. That's a 1 p.m. kickoff. And on that note, we will wrap up this episode of Wonder Goal. I'd like to say that we will see you on Thursday morning, but not totally sure that's going to be the case. We just don't really know. Uh, we'll let the schedule kind of dictate. And if we are back on Thursday morning, and if we're not, have a wonderful holiday, and we will see you on the other side. So for BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo, I'm Michael Ebuff saying good luck with your footy flutters this week. <laughs>